Animal Fire Radio. This episode's brought to you by Notorious Fire Company. Firefighter owned and operated Notorious Fire Company manufactures and creates quirky and unique items for the fire service. Whether it's your stainless steel water bottles, tumblers, four-in-one koozies, you can decorate your emotional support water bottle with more than 100 different designs they offer so very much. From apparel to swag to stickers, they got you covered. Check them out at NotoriousFire.com. That's N-O-T-O-R-I-O-U-S, NotoriousFire.com. And check them out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at NotoriousFire. And this month with the podcast, if you use coupon code Fire Radio June 2023, that is Fire Radio June 2023, you'll get free shipping on all orders within the U.S. So check them out, NotoriousFire.com. Lenny and the crew, they're making great stuff. And I have to tell you, with the summer upon us, the sticker packs are out of control. You got everything from Star Wars to pinups and everything in between. Slap them on your beer fridges, your coolers, and your tumblers and celebrate the summer in style with Notorious Fire. A good supporter and longtime friend. We're happy to have him on the podcast with us. Check him out, NotoriousFire.com and coupon code FIREADIO June 2023 for free shipping all across the U.S. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm trying something a little bit different today. No guest, just me. Picking a topic or two, and I'm going to run with it. I've been doing some incredible interviews over the last few months, and I'm starting to go back through them because there's so many pieces uh, that really come alive and speak to me during it. I mean, these guests drop one-liners and thoughts and ideas, and it's it's hard to wrap my brain around it. And so every guest I have on the podcast since this past October, when I started doing them daily, gets one page in my notebook. Um, that page is dedicated to the conversation we have. Only a few interviews have taken up more than one page. And what I do is I just write down you know, notes, uh, one-liners, ideas, thoughts that I can circle back to. I do timestamps down the left-hand side, so eventually we'll get back and start, you know, clipping them up. And that's the next intent with the podcast and so on for social media and so on. But what I want to start doing as I start going back through these is the things that stand out to me, uh, I definitely want to capture. And so the intent of that uh, is to go back through them. And so what I do want to do real quick, one that stood out to me was just the one that happened yesterday, episode 237 with Chief, Chief Eric Farley out of the Westville, New Jersey Fire Department. The title of the podcast, I get to come up with the title and I come up with the narrative for each podcast. And so that's fun because after the, after the interview, I get to sit down and come up with a paragraph or two about what the conversation was. I try to really capture the essence of the conversation and the guest that I met with and that I spoke with. Um, because I think that that matters, that, that absolutely matters so that I capture the essence of what it was all about. You know, these guests come on and they trust me with their story. Um, and it's my job to not only have the conversation with them and try to dig out some nuggets that we can share with our listeners and the community that's been so loyal, but it's also about promoting them and getting their story and not everybody's comfortable talking about themselves. And so even some of the biggest names in the fire service, 
They're not overly comfortable about talking about their own journey and their own self. They'll tell some stories from the line. They'll tell some, you know, things that had happened. But when you start getting into the meat and potatoes of who they are and where their where their mind goes and and some of the personal stuff, not everybody's easy with that conversation. So it's uh, it truly is an honor for me to have these guests on. And so what I want to do uh, with some of these shorter episodes, and I'm going to start putting in between the longer form interviews, is just circling back on some of these episodes. And so I want to talk about episode 237, which was recorded yesterday, uh, released yesterday um, with Eric Farley, the chief of Westville, New Jersey, like I said. And the title of it was Your Roots Matter. And this was a conversation that was absolutely rooted, quote unquote, uh, about his past and about his upbringing in the fire service. And he, he made one comment that really hit me, the nostalgia that took me back to my childhood and my early exposure to the volunteer fire service. Because, in fact, that's what he was talking about at the young ages of, you know, as a kid walking through town and, and the uh, impression that the fire department and the fire company, you know, bestowed upon him, you know, with the doors up, walking past the firehouse every single day. And that left an image with him. Um, but he made a comment, and it was, uh, when the horns blew in town, the town would come alive. And I think about that. I grew up in a volunteer firefighter's house in a small suburban community 25 minutes west of New York City. You know, Bergen County, New Jersey, at that time was pretty sleepy. It was bedroom communities for New York City workers, uh, as well as a lot of blue-collar people at the time. Um, and so... I grew up in that community. My father was a dedicated servant to the town. Not only was he a volunteer fireman for many, over 50 years now, but he was also a councilman. He was also the mayor of our town for a while. So I really grew up in this civic-minded home that my father impressed upon us at an early age. And I do remember very often the nostalgia of the volunteers' plectrons going off or their pagers going off, and they would drop everything. And And... So I'm, I'm just, I, I want to talk about this a little bit because with a lot of guests on the podcast, we talk about those early years that formed us as kids. Whether you grew up in a firefighter's home or you were just surrounded by maybe your friends, dads were firefighters or, you know, the, the butcher down the street or the mailman was a, was a volunteer fireman. But somewhere along the line, if you didn't come from a generational household of firefighters, you were still impressed upon it at some point early in life. And so whether it was that fire engine racing down the street with the lights and sirens on or a, a, a Santa Claus detail or a pancake breakfast, whatever it was, there was a time when you were little that impressed upon you how important the fire service is. And so for me, I remember my father very young. I mean, I, you know, I think I can remember back when I was seven, eight years old. I don't know if I remember much before that time, to be honest, but I remember him, man, and he was dedicated. You know, at the time, the fire department probably only did 150 calls a year. But out of the 150, I bet you 100 of them were wrecks and fires at the time. You know, they didn't go to automatic alarms. They didn't exist back then. So every call for service, say it was 150 calls for service, I can guarantee you that they were doing something at every single call they went to because they were called upon because they were needed by the community. A little bit different today, the same community I'm still a fireman in, and we're doing close to 700 runs a year and a lot of BS and not many fires. Uh, we do a lot of second do work and so on, but, uh, you know, if we do more than, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 fires a year, structural fires, and then mix in some wrecks and, you know, some pin jobs and some, 
you know, uh, other types of fires and things like that. I mean, but we're doing over almost 700 runs a year, and typically a lot of it's uh, the smells and bells. And so, you know, it's a different time back then, right? And so I want to get back to that, right? So as a kid, I was born in 77, so 85, I was, eight, you know, eight years old. I think that's like my earliest times of remembering the firehouse, my father. And I'll tell you, it didn't matter where we were. We could be out to dinner. We could be in church. We could be, uh, you know, at a soccer game or a baseball game for one of my brothers or whatever it was. If the siren blew in town, every volunteer fireman stopped what they were doing and ran or drove or bicycled to the firehouse. And I do remember as a kid in a town that only had I think two traffic lights growing up. Now we have probably 12 or 20 traffic lights. But two traffic lights back then, a couple blinking lights. We didn't have many. I don't think we had any four-lane roads. We had one highway at the time. It was a much simpler time. And those guys raced off to the firehouse. They dropped everything. I think about some of the volunteers today, even myself at times with the, with the BS alarms. We're still a home response department, and there are plenty of times that I'm like, I'll finish up at the grocery store and and then I'll I'll stop in for credit and so on. And I'm sure a lot of people deal with that on a on a home response department. But back then, man, that was unheard of. You raced off to the firehouse, you slapped your teardrop light, you plugged it into your cigarette lighter, you put your window down, you slapped it up on the roof, and you drove like an animal to get to the firehouse. And those engines were pulling out. The siren in town used to go 12 blasts. It would last literally like two, three, four minutes. That's how long this thing blew. And by the time the siren was winding down, those Seagrave engines, I remember this, man, uh, those 60s, 60s models Seagrave engines were rolling out one after another with probably eight guys on the first one, 10 guys on the second one. The guys are three deep on each side of the, of the open cab. You know, you got three guys across the bench seat up front. You got guys hanging off of in the dunnage area by the booster lines. I mean, this was a different time. We didn't get concerned about it. They weren't concerned about if you had your gear on, if you didn't have your gear on, you know, and all this. The guys would grab their gear, throw it on the rig, jump on and go. It was service. It was fast. It was a dedicated, professional, volunteer fire department from a small, sleepy town where the neighbors served one another. And I was so impressed by that as a kid growing up. And, I mean, we used to chase the fire trucks we used to chase the fire trucks on our bicycles all the time. I had two older brothers. Uh, they were both volunteer firemen with me, uh, still are, and my father as well. So there was four of us in our house that were all volunteer firemen. And we, and my brothers and I were, because at an early age, we were just mesmerized by it. We lived for it, you know? It's not that my father took us to the firehouse every single time there was an opportunity. He didn't, I didn't grow up in the firehouse like, hey, there's a call, jump in with dad and go. He was very protective of it. And for that, I think I'm grateful. Um, it made me appreciate it more and not take it for granted. I'm a little concerned today with my kids. I my two older kids that are grown and out already, and my two other girls are in high school. And my youngest, Lily, is talking about maybe joining next year at 16 as a junior. And, you know, with, with the department the way it is and how I am about it and how serious I take it, um, she knows that it's, it's not going to be easy. This is not a hobby. This is something that you have to dedicate yourself to. Um, and I don't want to influence that in a crazy way that she's uncomfortable or I ruin it for her. But I also look at this too, and I've talked about this on other podcasts, is sometimes, you know, these younger generations, when we bring them around so much, they get very comfortable at the firehouse, which is a good thing. 
But we have to be careful about the entitlement that comes with that. You know, because when they do join as a member, it's different than being the kid of a member, right? Like there's that line of respect and understanding and, and you know, keeping your mouth shut and your ears open and dialing it back a little because now you're a sworn member that needs to learn the craft correctly uh, and go through the pecking order of how things work. And I sometimes I think, you know, uh, the entitlement of some of the guys, and I've seen it firsthand um, and I think I was probably that way too at some point um, where, you know, you, you feel that you're, you deserve more or you need more because you're doing more because I'm there all the time. Hey, I'm here all the time. If I want to take a shortcut, that's okay. It's not okay. But people that put in that much time sometimes get this sense of entitlement that they're owed more than others. I'm going on, I think, what, my 29th or 30th year in the volunteer fire service uh, I am not as active as I used to be. I do calls when I'm home, but I'm not even home that much anymore. So I do whatever I can do. Today, I made a three-car MVA with a rollover, came in as an entrapment. Uh, turned out not to be an entrapment, but it was a rollover. You know, so I make them when I can, right? Um, but I look at some of these guys, and I, I look at the entitlement that they're owed more than others because they're always there, and they feel like they're carrying the weight of the department or they've stepped up into a role. And because of that, they're there a lot. They put in a ton of time. And so they're owed something or they're allowed to take shortcuts. And that drives me nuts. And I've had this conversation. I'm not just talking about, you know, I'm not like dumping on my own department. That's not what this is, right? This is happening across every fire department in the country. And the thing is this, right? Like we appreciate everything you do. And those guys that go above and beyond every department has them. Everybody takes shortcuts once in a while, and everybody's entitled to take shortcuts every once in a while. I'm not perfect, never claim to be, never will be. I've taken shortcuts when I was younger. I take shortcuts now sometimes. I can't make every run. I can't make every training event. I can't make every meeting. I do what I can do. But I used to be that kid that thought I was owed more because I was always there. I did my part. I pulled my weight. You know, those years that I was chief, assistant chief, captain, lieutenant, you know, as a as a young gun riding backwards on every single run, I was on the first due, geared up, ready to go. That's the excitement of it. But that doesn't entitle me to anything more. I don't deserve more than anyone else. And I think what's happening is we're losing that conversation now more than ever. I mean, I can't do what I used to do. I just don't have the time between careers, national fire radio, in everything, in my, of course, my family and everything else, I just don't have the time that I used to have to dedicate. But I did. I've been there and I did dedicate. And I did give the time that was needed and necessary for me to learn the craft, also learn the respect of it. And I will tell you, as I've gotten older and matured in the fire service, I have gained much deeper respect for the fire service. I've gained a much deeper respect for myself and also how to carry myself in a better light. You know, I'm not the screamer. I'm not the angry one. I'm not the show off. I'm not the pompous one. I've become confident in who I am and my abilities on the fire ground, whatever position I'm put in. And that comes with maturity and experience. And uh, I think today we're losing track of those guys that have put the miles in and the time in. And we can't take that for granted and we can't talk to them or talk down to them. The demeanor within the firehouse needs to be in a way that we still appreciate everyone regardless of their effort they're putting in. Let that sink in for a minute. 
Because here's the thing. I'm 29, 30 years in. I'm there where some of these young guys are today, these young guns that are feeling like they're entitled to more than me because they're there more than me or they're doing more than me. And I appreciate everything they do to help push that department along. But you're not owed anything more than me because I was in your shoes many, many years ago. And I'm still there now. And so the thing is this. There's got to be this level of respect Get rid of the entitlement. Nobody's entitled to anything. This fire service doesn't owe you anything. You owe it. If you think about what's come out of it, I think about in my life at 46 years old, what the fire service has done for me. It's done so much for me. It's given me my best friends. It's made with National Fire Radio. I've made new friendships over the last six years now that I would have never have had or had the opportunity if I didn't get out and push myself to do more in the fire service. I have some of the very best friends in the entire world. My kids have a family network around them. My wife has people that she can get that lean on in case I'm away and needs help with something. Our family's surrounded by this brotherhood, this sisterhood, and just the camaraderie of the fire service. The fire service has given me more than I could ever give back. But the only thing the fire service does ask of us is that we do the job and we do it correctly and we do it for the people that we're sworn to protect. And it's also protecting the integrity of the institution that came before you. And that is very much the people that have come before you. And so to circle back, episode 237 With Eric Farley, your roots matter. You're damn right they do. Don't lose track of that. When you're sitting around the table after training or after a fire or you're sitting on the bumper and one of those older guys tells the same freaking story for the fifth or sixth time and you're 20, 23, 25 years old and you hear the same story and you roll your freaking eyes and you pick up your phone because you don't want to listen to the guy anymore, put your phone back down and listen again. Humor him. Let him tell that story because that's all he's got. He's got the storytelling, and he's doing that very much for the reason of keeping the stories alive. The stories of what the fire department, the municipality, the district you cover, that's what these older guys do. They hold these stories and continue to tell them. Sun up and sun down, they're there to tell you the stories and tell you again and again and again. It is our duty to listen to their stories because they're educating us so that when they fade away, they leave, they pass away, they retire, whatever it is, those stories are going to stick with you. And I expect you then to pick up where they left off and tell those stories now in combination with the new stories that you have about who you are. And before you know it, you're going to fall into the same position they were in, telling the same story over and over again to the next generation. And by God, they better be listening too. We owe that to each other. We owe that to the senior man that's telling those stories. That's what he's got. He's reliving his days. He's reliving the memories that he has. One, for his own sanity and enjoyment. He gets to go home from being at the firehouse, 80 years old in the volunteer firehouse. He gets to come down, have a pop, have a soda, whatever it is. Share some camaraderie, meet some new people, talk with some of the younger people, but meet up with the older guys and tell those stories, man. That's what fuels, absolutely fuels the the culture and love for the fire service. And we, the next generation, owe it to them to open our ears and listen and pay attention. And so I challenge you that. Don't fade away from the old guys. Encourage them. 
Ask them to tell more stories. Tell, ask them, prompt them. Look at a picture on the wall in your meeting room of something that you're not familiar with and ask them about that picture because you're going to get a story or two and you're going to make their day, you're going to make their week by asking them. And they also bring tremendous value so that you can think back, you can hear the story so you can pass it on the next go around. And that's what freaking matters, man. And so episode 237, Eric Farley, he talks all about this. And that's why your roots matter. Your fire department matters. The history of it matters. You need to know where it began, where it came from, how it progressed to where you are today. We are stewards of this job. Whether career or volunteer, it doesn't freaking matter, man. Stay in love with it. You're not entitled to jack shit and give back to this job. That's all I ask of you. And so these short talks, that's what this is going to be like. And so I hope you enjoyed the last 19, 20 minutes of this conversation because that's all it is for me. This is me venting just on, you know, ideas and thoughts that I have as well as just sharing that with you. Um, I get great feedback when I, when I talk and do my tidbit, you know, my, my short clips and so on. So I thought maybe I'd take it a little bit longer form. We do some 10, 20 minute stuff and that's what this is all about. So check out episode 237, your roots matter with Eric Farley, the chief out of Westville, New Jersey. He crushed it. He's a good friend, very squared away department. And, uh, I'm proud to talk about that. I'm proud to talk about the nostalgia of the, of the early days, uh, and, and up and through today. So anyway, thanks for joining me on this quick one. We appreciate it. Send us some emails. Let me know what you think of this format podcast at nationalfireradio.com. I want to hear from you. I appreciate the support for Rob and Sebi and the rest of the crew. Thanks for always supporting us and having our back. We appreciate you a lot more content to come. Jeremy national fire radio. Fire Radio.